Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to The District, a podcast about politics and culture from The Spectator. I'm your host, Teresa Mall, and I'm joined today by Erica Anderson. She's a writer, speaker, podcaster, entrepreneur, and author of Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women. Erica, welcome to the show and congratulations on your new book. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So this is something we were talking before the podcast started, a topic that I like to write a lot about is why society needs God and the church and religion, but this is specifically, obviously geared toward women. So tell me what inspired you to write this book? Was it something personal that happened to you in your own community, or was it something that you saw as a broader problem? Just just tell me how this came about. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I, as a freelance writer, I was writing about some other topics that sort of led me to some data that showed how really bad the problem of people leaving church was um, and how it was increasing and getting worse. But specifically, I ran into some information about how women, the rate of women leaving is increasing way faster than the rate of men leaving, specifically in the past 10 years. And so that really caught my eye. And I was like, well, why is that? Why would women be leaving more quickly? And as someone who has gone to church most of my life and really values the place that church has in my life and knows how important it is for society and individual lives, I really wanted to dig into that and understand more what was happening. And when I did that, you know, I uncovered all kinds of different reasons, but also was inspired to, you know, dig more deeply into it and had this book idea and just kept going until I you know, got to a place where someone actually was interested in buying the book. So that's kind of how it went. Without giving away too much, we obviously want people to buy and read the book. It's super valuable, especially at this moment in time when it seems like so many people are depressed, anxious, you know, we have a mental health crisis. And I attribute a lot of that to the fact that people are are pretty godless and they don't have religion and all the wonderful things that comes with that. But um, I know you have a section in the book on the reasons why women leave. So if you could touch on those just a little bit about what your research found and what you found through your personal interactions with other women. Yeah, it seems to, that one of the number one reasons that women have left or are leaving is really more related to lifestyle and busyness, overwhelm, stress. There's much, much data data out there showing how how women feel really overworked and overstressed in a way that men just don't. And at the same time, while they're increasingly feeling stressed, church as a cultural marker as something that we do in this country has continued to decline. It's less important. It's no longer a big deal to say you do or don't go to church. Nobody really cares. And so 
the combination of those factors has made it really easy for people to walk away. And if, if they have reasons on top of that, such as they have like a past hurt from a church experience or, you know, maybe even disillusionment or you know, kind of numbing out from something from the past, put all those things together. It's the perfect storm for people to have the excuse to leave and then, you know, add COVID on top of it. And you have like really the perfect storm. And so we're, you know, I, the numbers since COVID on women specifically, I don't have, but I, I know that the numbers in general are worse for church, church attendance. I think we're only back up to 85, maybe 90% of church attendance, what it was before COVID. And so it really kind of sped up some of these people that probably would have eventually left anyways. And so what I found, however, though, in the research is that women, despite leaving church, still say that their faith is something that they really value and it's something that they want to prioritize in their lives, but their actions and what they're doing does not show that. And so what I really want to get to the heart of in this book is what do you really want and what do you really value? And and how can we, you know, make decisions that are going to build your life up the way that you truly know in your heart that you want to build it up and and you know is going to create a better, stronger foundation with your relationship with God. Yeah, it seems like religion and going to church is always kind of the last priority. <laughs> it takes um goes to the back burner when and, and we have such busy lives these days. And this is something I wonder about too is if we are really as busy as we need to be or if it's more that we're kind of distracted. And I know it varies for different people. Different people have different challenges in life, but I don't understand why we're so much busier now in life. You know, we have so much technology to do things for us automatically. I mean, you don't even really have to like leave your house to go shopping if you don't want to with Amazon Prime and all those things. So I wonder what it is about life, modern life, that we are so busy. Is it the fact that everything is so automated that then we feel the need to fill all those voids that we might be doing housework or gardening or farming or whatever we were doing 100 years ago with with other things that that are more or less advantageous, you know, taking a spin class as opposed to going to church? Or is it that we're sitting on our screens? You know, why why are we so busy? Why don't we have time for God anymore? What's going on? Well, I think faith life and religious life used to be sort of, you know, you know, it's like faith, family, like these were the main things that we focused on in life. And now people are, it's more like an eat your vegetables thing. Like I really should get back to church. Like I should really pray more. Like I should really read the Bible. You know, it's a should people want to, but it's a discipline. And so they don't do it. And then in terms of busyness, I mean, I can speak on that point, you know, from my standpoint as a mom, I can tell you just that there are so many things being thrown at you to get your kids involved in. I mean, it's like your kid could be going to three different practices, three, you know, three times a day, you know, it's like soccer and acting and and all of these things. And so I think people feel pressure to get their kids involved in a lot. And that makes life extremely stressful and extremely busy. And I think that has really overtaken like the American woman for one thing, but also just like the, the struggle of work-life balance. We have most of the time or many times we have two working parents. And so when you're a working parent, it's like you're getting up, you're taking your kid to school or daycare, and then like you're working all day, and then you're going to get them. By the time you get home, you are just completely just exhausted. And so Sunday rolls around. It's the one day you don't have something going on. And it's really easy to say not today, or I know we'll get into it eventually. But I think it comes back to, you know, building, building the life that you want for yourself and your kids and, and being very intentional about that. 
because the years will go by and you won't have done it. And then your kids are going to grow up and they're not going to have that foundation. And the, and now is a critical time for those with children. Most most people end up deciding what faith they will live out for a lifetime by the age of 14. And so you got to be thinking about the kids, I mean, as well as yourself, but that's a good incentive as well. And I know there's a whole section dedicated to this as well on reasons to return, you know, the advantages besides you know, we touched on the mental health crisis and people who believe in God and who have religion and a piece you wrote a year or two ago talked about how it pretty much benefits societies all the way around. You know, it makes people happier. It makes them more generous. It makes them closer, tighter knit. You know, you if, if you've been to a church community or, or a function or anything like that, you can see that firsthand, just how it bonds people. So can you touch on a few of the advantages if people are like, oh, I'm still still too busy, still too stressed to make time for that? You're like, well, you really should because here are all the wonderful things that will happen if you if you give it a chance and make that one of your your top goals. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to, you know, remember that when it comes to church, like really this book is for people that already identify as Christians. And so if you're not a Christian, you know, a lot of the things maybe that I'm saying won't resonate as much. Maybe you would be more compelled by the data. I have actually have a friend who said he's a, he's an atheist, but he actually goes to church with his wife and child because he wants his child to grow up with some kind of faith foundation. And he wants that community and those trusted, loving adults in her life. And I was really fascinated by that. I, I was really surprised that he actually did that just for her, even though he himself is an atheist. Um, so, I mean, there those reasons can convince anyone um, if they're really thinking critically. But in terms of those who are Christians, you know, we are called to be a part of faith community. But But what I will say about that is it doesn't have to look a certain way. And I think people get stuck in church needing to be, you know, what it was when they grew up or, you know, how it's depicted in the media or whatever. But what I'm calling people to in this book is to reimagine what that faith community could look like for them, whether that's going to a new denomination, going to a different church, going to a different kind of church, or even creating your own space. If you don't feel ready to walk back in, there is something very special about gathering as the church and all throughout the Bible. And as Christians, we should probably value what the Bible has to say about it, but God is constantly referring to his people. And he talks about how, you know, Jesus shed his blood on the cross for the church and the letters that Paul writes in the New Testament. He's writing to the churches on the day of Pentecost, you know, in Acts, it says that, you know, they, their numbers increased and more people were, you know, saved through the work of the church. And so God does big, important things through the church and he works, the Holy Spirit works when believers are gathered together and he uh, sort of descends upon them when they are together. And we're able to, you know, see God in all kinds of different ways through the lens and the eyes of our fellow believers. And so the other thing I would say about that is that we all have unique spiritual gifts. God has equipped us all Christians with a spiritual gift that will contribute to the betterment of the church. And when we're not there, that gift isn't being used and the body isn't complete. And we also don't know what we're missing. We don't know how God wants to bless us by that community. And so those are a few of the reasons I would encourage people to reconsider and ways that I would encourage them to reconsider. But also caveating that with, you know, none of this happens overnight. Part of it is trusting God, staying in prayer, and believing and having faith that He's not going to lead you astray. And when He says He wants you there, He's not giving you bad information. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, if you feel the the pull and you've been guided to discover your book or listen to this podcast or anything, you know, yeah. this, the spirit talks to you in certain ways and kind of nudges you and, and whispers to you. I'm wondering if you have advice for people who maybe have never had religion, who have never been part of a church, who be are atheist, but they feel dissatisfied in life. They feel like something's missing. They feel empty. I think that's a lot of society. And I think a lot of our current misery is because we're trying to fill the hole that's left in in our godlessness by other things, you know, whether that be Instagram likes or watching TikTok videos or taking weight loss pills or getting fillers and filters and all these things that are just kind of skirting the obvious answer, which is God, at least in my view. So if someone, you know, they they don't believe, they don't have that exposure, but they want to, it's just, it's, it's hard to say to someone like, just find religion, just go to church, right. just, just right. believe in God. Like it's, I don't know, if you have experience with people, you know, who have been like that, who just kind of took the leap or how you go from being dormant or being just nothing to, to finding faith. Yeah, I, I think just your desire to know more, to be curious, and to just be really honest with yourself about that. I know I've heard people say, I want to believe, or you know, if it's true, I want to believe it. And so I know that you can't just automatically just flip a switch and uh, you, know, you believe something, uh, something is true. But I, I do believe that God listens to us. And I would encourage anyone to just be honest with God in prayer even if you've never done it, prayer does not have to be anything other than just talking like you would to anybody else and being honest. And God is not afraid of honesty, questions, doubt, anger, fear, all of that. I think laying that out, don't be scared to do that. And I would also encourage people to read the Bible. I would say, you know, reading the New Testament, like, you know, not with any expectation, but just to open it up and just ask God to speak to you. I think those would be first steps. And and then maybe talk to friends, like maybe talk to a friend that you think does have a strong faith and ask questions about it or try going, you know, try, try going to a church or two and just seeing how it feels. But I think just being open to the possibility and being curious and asking God to help you and telling him, I want to believe, I want to know, and I'm here and I'm waiting for you to show me. And I've heard stories of people that really have discovered God and discovered a faith through experiences just like that. I do believe that the Bible is a living word. I believe that it will speak to you. And um, I think that God is just really waiting for you to make that plea to him. Do you have some practical tips for other fellow modern day busy moms about how you make religion and church a priority? Have there been activities that you've had to cut down on with your own family or, I don't know, some life hacks for lack of a better term <laughs> that you've <laughs> been hacks. able to uh, to make sure that your children and family are exposed to religion? Yeah. I mean, I think so much of it comes down to habit and just what you build your life around. And for us, like attending church on Sundays is, is simply something that we've always done. But I, I would also like to reiterate that church is not just about Sunday. It's not just about an hour on Sunday. It's about relationships and being there for people throughout the week and feeling that you have a supportive community in other parts of your life as well. But I would say, yeah, building your life around these sort of practices or foundations. So going to church or every morning, you know, when I'm taking my kids to the bus or to school, I'm we say our morning prayer every night at dinner. We do a little devotion with the kids. You know, I, I, I really try to incorporate conversations about God and about faith 
into everyday life, talking about the sunset and how God made that for us. And it's so beautiful or, you know, just randomly something will come to mind. I'll be like, isn't that so cool? Well, the Bible says X, Y, Z, trying to incorporate these things into conversations with my kids and to remember to be intentional about being grateful for, for the things that God has given us and remembering what the Bible says about how we're supposed to live our lives and how we're supposed to love others. It really is more of a habit and, you know, more of a habit than anything else. So it takes a while to get into if it's something new, but once you start doing it, it is very life-giving and really life-sustaining in a lot of other ways. And what about you talked about the faith community and having people that you can rely on? I'm sure that's just such a beautiful thing for everyone to experience, but especially for children, you know, as they grow up and they become adults and they remember, you know, going to church picnics or they remember, you know, your dad being able to call someone from the church to help them fix his car or whatever it is, you know, that's just such a, such an integral part of, of your upbringing of your life is your church. If you have a strong one. So can you talk a little bit about what you've experienced, the beauty of that environment for your family? Yeah. I mean, I have, you know, the, the opening of my book introduction or the thank you says something like this is to all the like pastors and mission trip buddies and small group members and Bible study people like throughout the years, I've been in so many different like aspects of the church life that have blessed me in so many ways. And I think, you know, more recently we belong to a small church now and I've really felt the power of that come around me in the last year, like just, I've really made a core group of friends and like, they're checking in, they're praying for me. They're, you know, sending a meal on a hard week with a kid, sending advice, like, you know, stepping up to remind us that we're not alone. It it really is a community. And I know that if anything were ever to happen in my life, that I could count on them to be there for me. I can rely on them. I can trust them with my kids. And I really feel like I have this backing of support no matter what I do. And when you are integrated into a healthy church community, that's how it should feel. We feel more secure when we have these people around us. And like you were talking about, there's a loneliness epidemic in this country. We are so isolated. And this is the antidote to that in many ways. And the less isolated we are, the happier that we are, the less likely we are to fall into depression or addiction or suicide. And these things are very interconnected and, and, and there's nothing that has ever been able to replicate the benefits that we see through faith community. People try through like a gym or a club membership or, you know, the local community center, but nothing on scale has ever come close to what the church does for its members. Yeah, you multiply your little faith community and with mine and across the whole entire country. It's amazing what could happen. It's like a, it's like a social fabric of like goodness and positivity and life giving, and it sustains people and communities and families in so many ways. Yeah, it sounds like people just read your book, then maybe our country will be saved just like that. So, <laughs> yeah, perfect it's, timing. Uh, <laughs> quite simple. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this has been delightful, Erica. I've enjoyed your writings in the past, and I'm sure others of our listeners would as well. So can you tell us uh, where we can find more of your work and where people can get a copy of your book? Yes. So you can get Reason to Return on Amazon, ChristianBook.com, BarnesandNoble.com, any of those places. And it did come out this week. Um, As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Erica Anderson, Instagram at Erica underscore Anderson, 
note the spelling <laughs> and my website, ericaanderson.com. So reach out, say hello. Let me know if you ordered a copy. I would love to chat if you have any questions. Thank you for listening to this episode of The District. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Spectator is the U.S. edition of the world's oldest magazine, and we are currently offering a special discount promo code for our podcast listeners. Simply enter podcasts for a 20% discount off your first year. To read and listen to more content on similar topics, visit thespectator.com. 